lot of implication for both teams and players picking in that middle portion of the draft. Find out why there's so much upside and so much value to be had in year one with some of the changes uh, coming up in this new CBA coming up on Locked On NBA Big Board. You are Locked On NBA Big Board, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Big shout out to everybody that makes Locked On NBA Big Board your first listen of the day. We know you have a lot of different options and this is being posted mid-afternoon, but really appreciate it. We are free and available everywhere. We will never be right now, as of now at least, we will never be behind a paywall and we really appreciate everybody who listens. So thank you so much. Uh, really means a lot to us, especially as we are in this final, you know, just stretch of the season, uh, draft season. There's exactly one week until the NBA draft. Uh, I'm very excited. I may be going to the draft still on the fence, but uh, hopefully Rafael and I will both be there. It'd be really great. But today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So <clears throat> this episode, I want to just quickly talk about some of the guys. I'm enamored personally with the guys in the 12 to 26 range, roughly. If you look at any mock draft, you're going to see a lot of the same players over there. And I want to go down just why it impacts some of these teams that are picking in that range, why there's good value to be had in both trades and just if you're trying to fill out the rest of your roster, given the new CBA has a lot of emphasis on cheaper players you can't really fill out the same way you could at an end of bench uh you know the super teams have passed they did really try and outlaw that and the counter for teams is okay we'll build through the draft good teams have to to get better and that's going to be huge so i think that 12 to 25 range that's that's about what i have to, almost 12 to 30 really you could say the back end of the lottery to the first at end of the first round is just ridiculously strong there's going to be multiple guys who hit both in past 15, but really just even in the 20s and even in the 30s, because I, I'm going off my big board, where, which I actually just released today on Mavstraft.com. And I, I think there's just so much talent there that it's really hard not to fall in love with that range. So let's just talk about some of the big overarching picture of that range before just to paint some context, right? These are the teams that are picking in this range. There's, you're going to hear a lot of names that you're going to go, I feel like they're better than the whatever pick they're picking, right? Let's just start with Atlanta at 15. They're picking 15th. They have a lot more talent on their team than just about anybody, any other 500 team in the history of the NBA, it feels like. They are one of the more talented 500 teams ever. You have Minnesota's pick who goes to Utah. Uh, so Utah really could package 16, 9, 28. They're also in this range twice. They have Philadelphia's pick. Charlotte has a pick at the end of the first round where they also may want to move up because they have a good amount of seconds as well. You have Indiana has the 26th, 29th, and 32nd pick, so they have a plethora of picks really in this range, and they also have the 55th pick and the 7th pick. So there's a lot going on there. They're definitely a trade target. I've heard that there are teams that are in the back, very back end of the second round or even teams that don't have a pick right now that want one of those picks because – Indiana just has too much. They don't have the roster space to really support five draft picks. And because of that, something's got to go, whether it's they consolidate and hand it off to someone else, whether it is outright selling. I do think those are, those are possibilities. So uh, you also look at Portland has the 23rd pick, given that they also have the third pick. I think there's a lot more upside there too, for them. Brooklyn owns the 22nd and the 21st pick. They have Phoenix's pick. 
But you look at really that 15 to 19. So you got Atlanta, Utah, the Lakers, the Heat, who just lost in the finals, the Golden State Warriors, and then the Houston Rockets, who have their second pick of the first round. So there's a lot of different avenues this can go. And what I like about the 12 to 28 is the exact number on my board that I have this one tier of guys is every single one of them poses either high floor or high upside. And really most of them have a good blend. So let's talk about some of the players that I think would be just good fits. Let's, I think Atlanta is a pretty measurable team here because so many other teams have the, their core in place, their playoff teams are trying to make the playoffs and get, you know, to the next round that they didn't make Atlanta you know, they made the first round. They want to at minimum be in the second round again. Like, and, and let's be real, they're trying to get to the finals. Trey Young tweeted out, we're next, all that stuff. But even beyond that, the quarter already made the conference final two years ago. They want to be back. So with that, I think it's uh, I think it's a good starting point. They have a lot of similarities to some of these other teams. But it gets tricky, right? You have Kobe Bufkin as my 12th rated player. I think he's somebody who he could have been in the tier above, which is generally the consensus top 10 guys plus one uh and you can uh, really just top 11 i've mostly that um i will say case and wallace is my eighth ranked player but on mox he's falling in this range too which bolsters that depth even more but you look at kobe buffkin i think he translates to every single playoff team he plays defense he's still 19 years old he's a young sophomore he can play offense obviously being just a lights out shooter very skilled high motor just his only flaw you could even point to is Eh, he was a young point guard, but this is the first year he played point guard and he didn't look great at it, which fine, but he's an inexperienced young point guard. He can grow. And I think things like that, that matter across teams. So I don't think he's going to be in that twenties range. I think he's gone by 15. I'd be shocked if he's anything further than the second pick out of the lottery, honestly, maybe. So I guess that really puts him at Utah and Utah's a prime candidate because we don't know what they're doing in nine. They could take Jairus Walker. They still need a point guard. I think he's a prime candidate, but some other guys in this range, and we'll go over this as well throughout the episode, but there's just some other guys in this range. I really like like Jed Howard may even, I mean, I'd heard of the combine. He was falling towards the twenties and even 30. He's in this range. Leonard Miller's there. I don't understand how he's still being mocked to 26. And generally ESPN's mock has been pretty accurate about where guys go. I want to emphasize one thing though, just a break out of this. Most ESPN has the best mock, like most accurate. They're generally them in the athletic. The problem is most mocks are inaccurate. So you're still getting mock drafts that have guys getting 50% success. That's a win, right? And it's not a knock on ESPN or Gavoni, any of those guys or Sam Vecini. They're great at what they do. It's just kind of tempering expectations. It's the same way the consensus generally doesn't hit on big board rankings. Like it's just not that successful. Like you have to realize with the draft, the context of it is, on mock drafts, if you can hit 50%, it's good. In a lot of other contexts, 50% is really bad. But so just kind of breaking from that, there are a lot of other upside plays, just kind of breaking it down more specifically. I apologize. I've been building it up and not getting there. But the upside plays in this range, you've got Tariq Whitehead, Jalen Hood, Shafino, City Sissoko, Bilal Kulabali. I do think he might, I, th- I put him in this because I do have him in this ranking range. I have number 20 on my board just because the shot does worry me. But he is somebody who could go number 12. There's been a lot of rumors. Hey, Oklahoma City, they really like him. He's somebody, Max Lewis has high upside. Derek Lively's another guy. Keontae George, Nick Smith, Ryan Rupert, Brandon Podzemski. These are the guys in that range, and they all have high upside. And also Bryce Sensabaugh, who I, I almost forgot about. And then you look at the floor, right? You've got Chris Murray. You have Jet Howard. I think he's got the floor of a great shooter. 
You also have Noah Clowney could throw Derek Lively back in this conversation. Could also say Ryan repair. There's Kobe Bufkin, I think is one of the higher floor guys really in this range. And then you have some blend, right? Just kind of the leftovers of it. You have Noah Clowney, Max Lewis, uh, Jordan Hawkins, who is another guy who he has some hidden upside. And really you kind of give or take, those are all the names that in there to Leonard Miller and Derek Whitehead as well. But those are all the names in that list. I just went through, what is that? 17 names, 16 names. And you hear it. And this is, this is sweet spot of the draft. So I really like it. I think that's somewhere that teams should want to get trading into. Like just from speaking from a Mavs draft, I want the Mavs to trade into this range. I want them to get to 15. Like I think the options there are so much better. I'd rather get an asset, getting the guy I want than just straight outright reaching a 10. So that's big for me. I think that's, uh, that's kind of the range I would want to be in, but I want to also talk about just some of these guys a little bit more in depth, what makes them more upside plays, where their best fits are, things like that. Let me tell you about game time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you'll have. So what are some things, uh, so some things I like about Game Time app, they have flash deals and last minute tickets. They're easy to find and buy tickets. There's they have 3D views of the seats. There's a lot of that. So forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals right now, right up to the game and the day of the event. You get exclusive flash deals for on any sport pretty much for tickets. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So single uh, snag, excuse me, snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app and create an account and use code locked on NBA, one word, for $20 off your first purchases. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code locked on NBA, one word, for $20 off. Download the game time. App today, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So welcome back to Locked On NBA Big Board. Again, my name is Richard Stamen. You might know me better on Twitter as at Mavs Draft. These guys in the 15 to, excuse me, the 12 to 28 range, but really like kind of in the draft range of end of the lottery, end of the first round. It's a sweet spot right now. I think there's a guy, some guys that are going to go higher and lower. And just because the talent's too good, just because you're a 26 pick doesn't mean you, you've you disappointed or anything. I think there's a lot of guys that are going to find themselves being picked 30 and find very healthy careers in, 30, in the 30s, I should say. Not, not many guys can be picked at one slot. But that is something that I find really intriguing. I think it's, I think it's simple. I think for if you're a team, let's, let's just break it down by team. If I was every team, and I'm going to read the first 14 picks just very quickly. I'm just going to use tankathons uh, with with like a couple a couple uh, changes. Or actually, I'll do ESPNs because I like I said I trust theirs a lot. So number one, you have Wembenyama, Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson, Amon Thompson, Cam Whitmore, Asar Thompson, Jairus Walker, Anthony Black, Taylor Hendricks, Derek Lively. Let's just say he's there. He's at 10. Grady Dick, Kobe Bufkin, and that's 12. Jalen Hood, Shafino, Bilal Kulabali. So that's it. So I'm going to take all those players out and let's mock from here. 15, I think the Hawks should absolutely take Casey Wallace. I don't think twice about this. I think he fills a lot of defense. He has a lot of upside. You never know what these Kentucky guards. I think one thing with him is the pick and roll ability offensively was rough because he didn't have a floor spacer as a big, and he didn't have many shooters next to him. 
So to me, that matters a lot when looking at context. And also, like, if you're trying to predict where the breakout is for a Kentucky guard, it's right there. So I really like that element about him. I think that's important. Um, I would also say that he, I mean, just putting him next to Trey Young, he can play off ball. Like that's, that's a big deal. So I like him a lot. So the next player available on my board is Jordan Hawkins. I don't know, honestly, how he slipped out of this. He went 16 on ESPN's mock. And actually, they have Kaysen at 15 as well. I didn't, didn't even look at that while I was doing it. But with Hawkins, you get a premier shooter. And say with this, you got Taylor Hendricks. I mean, that's a slam dunk of a draft. You, you got the shooting you want next to just – honestly, with a bunch of creators – a bunch of guys that don't have like a one single role as a true creator, having their abilities to be a, we can all do a little bit of everything, but we all have premier shooting. You also have Oche Ogbaji, for example, who was one of the best shooters in last year's draft. There's a lot to like in that. So I would love to see him there. Let's go down to 17. ESPN has Nick Smith. Uh, man, you could go 20 different directions here. I will play this one safe. Let's go with a clutch guy. I think that's what they're going to ultimately do, and that's why they chose Nick Smith. Let's go Noah Clowney. Let's get them some interior presence. I think he is somebody that you look at what L.A. needs. Anthony Davis isn't healthy all the time. Uh, the interior defense is a huge part of what won them a championship in 2020. I think Noah Clowney has a lot of room to grow while already being very good in, in, around the rim defensively. He's a good rebounder, but as he fills out his frame, whew, you've got yourself the Anthony Davis replacement. Maybe not at the level, of course, that Anthony Davis is, but just maybe let's look at the one area of defense. It's not a significant drop-off uh, when, you know, assuming the the prime, not not currently. But say that Noah Clowney does hit a ceiling. I think there's a healthy enough drop-off that you can live with. So I really like that. At 18, the Heat... On ESPN, they have Ryan Repair. I would go a different direction. Uh, if you're trying to get somebody to play winning basketball that has all the talent, like I think the best talent right here in terms of if every one of these players in this range hit their upside, I think it's Bryce Sensible. Yeah, he has issues about playing de team defense. He's very rough in that regard. He's an awful off-ball defender. Just There's no way to put it nicely. But at the same time, he's actually a very good on-ball defender in terms of just physicals he can move quickly he can hang with guys he's strong so there is that and i can only imagine what he'd do he's even stronger in the miami program but if they get him right and kind of get his head on straight about decision making and really learning how to play within a team more than just be himself and be his talent i think there's a lot of upside there so that's somebody who i would take at 18 again they have ryan repair i have uh bryce sensible at 19 the golden state warriors espn has jet howard give me chris murray I mean, I get why they're taking Jet Howard and he's a much better shooter, but at the same time, I think I want the defensibility and take a little bit less off shooting. I, I think there's some element, Chris Murray didn't shoot the absolute best by any means from three this year. Uh, for the year, I'm pulling up his numbers now, but for the year he shot 33.5% from three, fine. Not, not what you'd want, but also it's a little bit different from what Keegan Murray had, who he's always going to be compared to. And that is, he had to be the man. There was really not much help around him. He didn't have a second NBA prospect like Keegan did. And Chris Murray was always being counted off ball. I think with NBA spacing and him being more of a fourth or fifth option offensively, his game opens up a lot. Let's finish out the top 20 here, and then uh, then we'll get it on the other side. But the Houston Rockets, the ESPN has Noah Clowney. He's off the board for me. So uh, let's go with, if I'm Houston, I mean, I want to say, you know, keep going for upside swings because that is what, they've been doing since 2021 
but at the same time, you might have to calculate it a little bit. So that being said, if health is the upside concern or the really just the, the risk here to somebody hitting their upside, whereas like some of the guys they take in Josh Christopher, is he, is the skill and the ability actually there? I would take Dariq Whitehead. I, I've been adamant. I have him 15th on my board. If he was healthy, he's top 10. I really like Whitehead. I think he's being overthought. He was a misfit at Duke. He didn't have a clear role. He didn't get the head start that he could have gotten by staying healthy. He had multiple foot injuries. The surgery has held him back even more in the offseason. I think it's a clear fit. So for me, that would be who I take. So let's round this back out. So at 15, I have Casey Wallace to the Hawks. 16, I kept Jordan Hawkins that matched ESPN. 17, I put Noah Clowney to the Lakers. 18, I put Bryce Sensabaugh to the Heat. 19, I gave the Warriors Chris Murray. And 20, I gave the Houston Rockets Dariq Whitehead. I do expect at least one of those teams to make a trade. Not sure if it's the Lakers, but they do need assets. They'd be an interesting one. But let's talk about some of these uh, other teams finishing out the end of the first round. But a quick word from our sponsors. Welcome back to Locked On NBA Big Board again. My name, Richard Stamen. You probably know me better a little bit on Twitter as at Mavs Draft. So finishing out this mock draft at 21 and 22, the Brooklyn Nets can go complete upside. ESPN has them taking Keontae George and James Najee. I would go mm, similar direction. I think you can swing a Keontae George at 21. It's not my favorite. I have him 25th on my board, but it's enough of uh, a quote-unquote reach that you can live with. I'd say you have to at this point take Keontae or Nick Smith, who are both available at, on my board. At the moment, I would also say Leonard Miller has to be the, like, he cannot take slide any further. And in hindsight, I almost wish I had taken him at Houston, but I kind of glossed over it. But at the same time, I do think if Dariq Whitehead and Leonard Miller hit their upside, Dariq's got the higher upside. So that's ultimately what tore it for me. But Leonard Miller should be much higher. He's 16th on my board that they're literally one spot apart. And it's because of that high upside. And for me, it's Leonard Miller. I mean, 6'10". I mean, he has the Kawhi measurements or the Maasai, excuse me, that, which I guess it counts for both, but where it's 6'10", seven foot two wingspan, massive hands. He's got the ball skills. He's really developing still. He's still raw, but he did take a jump, which he really wanted to see in the G League Ignite. Played incredible competition, really didn't. He looked po uh, posed out there, poised, excuse me, but he looked very comfortable, right? And yeah, the jump shot's a little bit far away. He needs to develop his handle, needs to refine some skills, but he has a good foundation for a solid mismatch forward who can handle the ball at 6'10". So Brooklyn could absolutely develop him. You never know what they're doing next. I think it's a good upside play for their next, next <laughs> phase, if you will. So I like that. Keontae George and Leonard Miller to the Nets. At Portland, they actually have Jaime Hawkes. He's not in my range on this, and neither is James Najee. James Najee is actually the very first person out of this tier for me. But with Portland, let's take say they take Brandon Miller. I think you almost – I want to say you have to take a big, but there's really no bigs to take here. So because of that, I'm going to – this is tough. I'm going to say Ryan Repair. Ryan Repair would be my pick. They had him going 18. He's somebody who I don't think has, anybody has a real grasp on in this draft. But you look at his defense, right? His defense is outstanding, 6'6", six, 7'2", six, wingspan. Needs to get a little bit better at defending without fouling. But I think ultimately he could be somebody who for Portland, he could become a Jeremy Grant replacement if they decide to move off of him. Really like his defense. I think at a minimum he can do that. And he also grew up as a point guard. So there are ball skills and the jump shot needs development. But at a minimum, he can be a defensive specialist, which every team vying for the playoffs, they need that. So I would say Ryan Repair at 23. At 24 with Sacramento, they have Chris Murray. It's the most cliche 
I, I just one, he's not going to make it that far. Two, it's too cliche. I would take Maxwell Lewis if you're just looking for an offensive swing. It's him. Uh, I think he's got some defensive concerns to iron out, but I think the offensive talent and the upside offensively are very high that he has a great crossover. He sees the floor. Well, the jump shot's so clean. He's a good rebounder. Also, he plays against like in the post very well. I really like that as well. Um, but again, the defense and, and he also needs to worry about, you know, improving some turnovers, get stronger, be a better decision maker. But again, pure upside play. So Sacramento, I would give him Max Lewis at 25. You got the Memphis Grizzlies. And again, I'm just using this pool of players. There's, I want to say Brandon Pazemski, and that's who they have for Memphis as well. It feels very on brand, but Nick Smith should be, and I will say in real life, he's going to go a lot higher than he has in my mock. I'm just a little bit more sour. I have him at 26 on my board just because of decision-making, and I'll talk a little bit more about that when the time comes for him to get picked. But let's go Brandon Pazemski. Didn't measure super well in the combine, but it doesn't matter. Uh, forces turnovers. He had a same killer breakout season Jalen Williams had at Santa Clara the next year at the same school, Santa Clara monster offensively just really has no holes in his game great passer combo guard who does everything and honestly he's not even combo guard he's just a true shooting guard that has playmaking skills so i really like him he'd be a good memphis player just replaces the same minutes dylan brooks has or cuts into it at least not necessarily one for one replacement so i agree with them brandon pozemski the pacers now this is where it gets interesting for here i'm just going to draft for the spot because i i do not see either of these picks being made at least both of them i, th I think 29 is very likely to be sold outright maybe like a second round pick in the future or something like a high second for next year or something like that for a team that's projected to be bad but i just don't think they're going to get a ton of value and i believe this is the last year you can do buying with money to owner to owner for picks so i think the pacers may take advantage of that I, i've heard rumblings at the combine that there are teams that really want those picks so for me at 26 i'm going to give them nick smith i'm just going to take that there with Nick Smith, the decision-making is an issue. The pick-and-roll ability is poor. He was in the 22nd percentile of pick-and-rolls. I mean, he was better than only 22% of college basketball players in the pick-and-roll in terms of efficiency this last season. I will cut him some slack. The context favors him, right? Bad spacing. He was injured. Uh, the team didn't really – I don't think they had – they had great talent assembled there, but it wasn't really organized. And I think he might benefit a little bit more from being more off-ball than on-ball. So some of these weaknesses may not matter. I think he's more like a Gary Trent, Malik Beasley. He's somebody who just plays off-ball and shoots the cover off the ball. So, again, decision-making, yeah, it's concerning. But eh, you can live with it. So that's who I would take at 26. I'm not even going to say for the Pacers. I doubt they keep the pick. The Hornets, let's get them some shooting, though. Because even if they do take Brandon Miller, um, they still need more shooting. Jed Howard is my pick here. He slid. Not happy about it. Uh, but here he is. I think he'd be my pick at the end of at 27 and then 28. Since this is the last one, I'll, I'll give you a couple bonus picks at 28. This leaves only one person and I got to figure out who I left. It's actually, uh, and it's city Sissoko who it's crazy. I really like city, but again, this is Utah. I don't know if they make this pick, but it'd be a really fun pick. They have Maxwell Lewis. Um, city Sissoko is young. He played the entire season at 18 in the G league ignite. The shot needs a little bit of work. I think he has inconsistent mechanics on his release. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see this. Basically, his follow-through, sometimes it'll be all five fingers. They, they do the dove, right? Or the swan, whatever you were told it was called. And sometimes, though, his pinky flares out, so you'll see it like this. And then sometimes his thumb will flare out, so you see like that. The follow-through is just heavily inconsistent. So that worries me, but the motor, the work ethic, 
all that stuff. I, I've heard great things about how good the G League Ignite is for young players looking to become pros right away. So I really like that. Let's finish out this mock draft, though. I'm not just going to stop at 28. It's too arbitrary. 29 again. That's the Pacers. I'm not picking for them, though. That's very unlikely to be gone. If I had to guess who comes in here, I'll say the Phoenix Suns. I think they're going to make a very surprise move and get into 29. And if that's the case, give me Trace Jackson Davis. They need a big. Trace Jackson Davis was super skilled, one of the most productive players in all of college basketball. Uh, always a five by five threat. I mean, he was. He was a monster. He averaged 20 points a game, 21 actually, 11 rebounds, four assists, just under a steal game at 0.8, three blocks a game, and that was on 58% shooting. And his shooting upside is underrated. 70% from the line, shot at the combine, didn't look broken. I think there's a lot to like with him. He's a great pick at 29, and if the Phoenix Suns can come up and trade him, I think trade for him, I think that'd be great. The Clippers would be great too at 34, Jordan Walsh. That's who I have. They have Dariq Whitehead. Uh, again, these aren't guys. This isn't no. This is no longer an order. I do have Jordan Walsh thirty seventh and Trace Jackson Davis thirtieth. So this is pretty good range. But with Jordan Walsh, you get this long player who can play defense. He can finish at the rim. He knows how to use his length already. Where he doesn't know how to use his length is his jump shot. I think that's something that'll come along. It's easy to teach guys to shoot. It's not easy to teach guys how to play hard and have the motor and have the intangibles of knowing what to do, things like that. And I think that's where Jordan Walsh wins himself over with a lot of these teams. He's got a 7-2 wingspan. He's ridiculously long and athletic. That combination is going to get him places and he's going to win possessions that he shouldn't be because of that. So I think the Clippers, a team that needs somebody like him on the wings as an ultra utility man. And I think there's a lot of shooting upside there untapped. I think they're the team that, uh, that, you know, that would want to take the swing on him, but that wraps this up. It was kind of a joint mock draft plus why the 12 to 28 range is so good. I hope those explanations in depth kind of made sense. I know I said I would do more team based stuff, but I didn't. So forgive me for that, but we'll be back tomorrow. Again, we're at free and available every single day on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts, all of it. Raphael will be back. I'm filling in for him today. But we'll be back all of next week, too. Might have some live coverage uh, bonus content next week from Raphael and I if we're both at Combine. Again, for me, it's still up in the air a little bit, but uh, making the last decision, uh, excuse me, last minute decision on that. But thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful rest of your day.